The Mariners roster might not be as locked in as we thought earlier this week. We'll tell you why coming up here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. This is Tidy Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube. Or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. On the show today, we have some information coming out of Peoria regarding the health of Tommy LaStella and the possibility of the Mariners trading one of their starting pitchers before for opening day and you know us you know we've never claimed to be uh news breakers we don't really uh, have sources too often uh we don't typically leak information that's not really our mo but uh we do get information from time to time and uh one of our trusted sources that we do occasionally get information from messaged me earlier this morning and uh, gave me some interesting tidbits of information so we're gonna go over that on today's show so Let's start with Tommy LaStella here. Uh, of course, uh, we're about a week removed from uh, when LaStella's elbow injury was first reported. He was supposed to be in the Mariners lineup on the um, spring training opener against the uh, against the San Diego Padres last Friday, but uh, was, of course, removed uh, due to an elbow injury, and we haven't seen him since, and we haven't really heard anything about him since. But uh, I'm being told that he's still very much in pain. He's tried to swing the bat a little bit, and it's just, it's hurting him uh, when he's been trying to swing. And even when he was healthy and swinging, I've, I've been told that the uh, Mariners field staff hasn't been very impressed with what they've seen. Uh, apparently, the uh, the Achilles injuries that he's suffered in the past are still kind of ailing him a little bit as well. He's just not 100% altogether here. So, Colby, we're going to talk about how this impacts guys like Colin Moran and, and Cade Marlowe, et cetera, in, in a bit. But first, I want to get your reaction just to uh, to this information here that uh, La Stella is not doing so hot right now. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a bummer. Uh, we know that uh, Jerry and the front office have really liked La Stella for a while now. This is their second attempt to get him, and this time they landed him, um, at least second. Maybe there was another one we don't know about, but um yeah and, and when you look at what he's done when he's healthy it makes sense right this is a guy who doesn't strike out he puts the ball in play a ton uh he's got some doubles power uh you know some good you know on base skills and stuff like that like there's some legitimate upside in the bat uh unfortunately uh you know injuries have just kind of been the story of his entire career and now kind of looks like uh the last couple of injuries he suffered has maybe ended his major league career um, we'll wait and see, you know, it's, I certainly don't want to say that Tommy Estelle is done, but the fact that, you know, he's can't swing the bat right now. And that's literally his only path to the big leagues yeah. is to be able to swing the bat. Um, that's troubling. And, and while he does have a few more weeks, you know, you can't, if you're the Mariners, you can't just wait around for Tommy Lestella to feel like he yeah. can start hitting. Uh, you're going to get to a point of critical mass where he's going to be so far behind from the time missed that you just have to move on. Uh, you know, yeah. the good news is that while the Mariners did give him a major league contract, it was a on the league minimum. Uh, so they have no, there's no restrictions whatsoever for moving on from La Stella. Uh, if they feel like they need to, they should, and they shouldn't wait. Uh, so it's, it's a bummer because La Stella had a shot to be kind of a, 
you know, a solid, you know, 100, 110 WRC plus guy at the bottom of your lineup, get on base, make a lot of contact uh, type of player. But it just doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. Uh, like you said, pre-injury, even uh, elbow injury, the Mariners field staff, not all that impressed uh, yeah. with Listella at the plate. Um, and, and now, obviously, if you can't swing, you can't fix, you know, the problem. So it's just not not a great uh, not a great. I. It's not a great sign that Tommy well, Lestella is long for the big leagues. Even I mean, the the thing that's really concerning to me, and the thing that really jumped out to me was I was told verbatim Scott Service knows that Tommy Lestella is washed. Yeah, so that's not a good sign for his chances of making the team. Ultimately, this is up to Jerry Depoto, right? But uh, yeah, Service and company it's... not being Im- impressed at all, uh, and and essentially thinking that he's just he's done. Uh, right. That. That's me, you know, we, we did put him in our 26-man uh, projections the other day. After hearing this, he's out for me. Uh, just if, if, if service and company feel that way about him, then it's, it's over. That, that's a wrap. Right. Uh, it's worth noting that it's not solely Scott's call. It's also not solely Jerry's call. Um, mm. There is a collaborative effort. Everything that happens in the baseball decision side of things is a mm. collaborative effort. Uh, if you know Jerry put his foot down and said we're going to make Listella work, then he probably would be on the opening day roster, uh, assuming he's healthy even. Uh, mm. But that's just not quite how it works, right? It's a very collaborative right. effort. They work together. Scott and Jerry trust each other, and if Scott is telling, you know, Jerry and Justin that like this guy just doesn't have it, like we need to look elsewhere, uh, they're p- more than likely going to be inclined to believe. Uh, believe Scott and, and, you know, Jerry's, you know, a, a baseball guy, former player, Justin's obviously very smart. So those guys can watch the same thing that these two guys watch and, and, uh, come to a decision. But I would say, yeah, uh, based on what we know now, uh, the odds of, of, uh, Listella making this team are basically zero at this point. So I asked, you know, in follow up if this meant you know Colin Moran was the biggest benefactor from this news or um you know maybe Cade Marlowe or maybe this meant uh, a trade or something like that and uh, I got a couple of pretty interesting answers on that so we're going to go over that in just a moment but real quick a reminder this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by FanDuel the midway point of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win just download the FanDuel sportsbook app it's safe secure and super easy to use then you can bet on everything like the Raptors at minus two against the Wizards plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay so don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash L-O-C-K-D-O-N to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. And once again, a reminder that we are now on Instagram and TikTok. Follow us at Locked On Mariners. That's one word, Locked On Mariners on both platforms we're planning on posting content on both platforms throughout the season all right so again i asked our source here in follow-up um you know who this benefited the most uh, who they thought this benefited the most moran Marlowe. what were they hearing or you know maybe were they hearing about a, a potential for a trade or something like that we're going to get into that last bit a little later on here but let's talk about moran and Marlowe. i was told that this team 
really is impressed with Cade Marlowe, specifically the Mariners field staff. Guys like Scott Service are very impressed with Cade Marlowe. Hearing things like there's legit 60, 70 grade speed here with Marlowe, which is, of course, you know, the reputation that Marlowe has kind of built for himself over the last couple of years. Um, but uh, to hear that kind of being confirmed by uh, the Mariners coaching staff is certainly something here. And Marlowe's had a pretty decent start to the spring and hasn't been fantastic by any means, but he's had, uh, you know, a couple big moments. Uh, I think he has one or maybe even two home runs at this point. He has a triple, a uh, basis clearing triple. Um, so he's had a, he's had a pretty good start to the spring here. So, I mean, you know, part of Listella's uh, appeal, at least when you look at him at face value, at least for us, I don't know how the team viewed him, but for us on the outside, it was like, well, Listella can play a little bit in the infield, but do you think that even for someone like Marlowe, who is exclusively an outfielder, that this, uh, this could benefit him, that Listella not making this roster could benefit someone like Marlowe and actually give him an opportunity to make this roster? Sure, because now you also have the DH, right, is is kind of open. And, and we know that um, the Mariners want to rotate guys through the DH, uh, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have, you know, a primary guy or somebody who plays there a lot. Um, and having Marlowe on your roster could allow somebody like Teoscar Hernandez to DH a few more days. Um, which, you know, is, is beneficial to obviously Teo and also the Mariners because Marlowe's going to be better defensively in a corner. Um, you know, a defensive outfield of Marlowe in left, Julio in center, and, and uh, Kelnick in right is probably about as good as the Mariners could hope for at this stage. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I can understand why you want the backup uh, infield ability, but if you're already going to carry Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty on this roster, if you're going to carry both of those guys, you're covered, right? You don't need another infielder. So Lestella's ability to play the infield, I mean, yeah, it was a nice little bonus, but the Mariners, if the Mariners think Cade Marlowe is ready, they shouldn't, you know, forego giving him those early at-bats to carry an extra infielder just because they're worried they can't cover the infield, infield because they can. Right. They absolutely can. So, um, I, I would say, you know, I, I think Moran's probably the, the, you know, ahead of the curb right now. Uh, but Marlowe, obviously, you know, being talked up this much by the field staff, uh, and the kind of spring that we've seen from him so far, uh, is, are two things that really can't be ignored. And, and obviously, you know, the, the injury to Taylor Trammell kind of opens that up even more. So it's, it, it, I think the infield thing is interesting, but ultimately, I think Jerry and and Justin and Scott and Manny Acta and all those guys, they're smart enough to look at it and say, we don't need to carry a guy who can play the infield just to say we right. can carry a guy who we, we have the infield covered. We just need to take the best bat with us. And maybe if they think that is Caden Marlowe, then great, do it. Uh, I think it'll be Moran. Uh, I think, you know, there, there's a little more safety there, but... I'm certainly not going to be upset if they carry Cade Marlowe north with them. Um, and if it doesn't work out, it's really not that big of a deal. Marlowe's got three options left. Uh, yeah. He's already on the 40-man, so you don't have to make a 40-man move. Uh, it, it, it's pretty seamless. Um, it just kind of depends on what the, they do. Do they want athleticism and upside, or do they want kind of the safety of Colin Moran? Right. Looking at Marlowe's numbers here, just got him pulled up on uh, MLB at bat. Uh, eight at bats so far. 250 average, uh, home run, three ribs, and uh, stolen base so far for, for Marlowe. How many so, uh, strikeouts? Uh, 
Uh, doesn't have strikeout numbers on there, actually. That's so. kind of the big one. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, uh, also, quality of pitching matters a lot. And Marlowe, right. it's tough to say right now. Who did right? he hit so. his home run against? Can't even remember. It was one of the games that wasn't televised. So It was the right. game against Cleveland. Ah, right. right. Went, or was it Cleveland? They lost 5-1. to one. It was the Angels. Mm-hmm. Was it, the, by, oh, was it the Angel game that was actually on TV on Saturday? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And by yeah. virtue of it being the Angels, we know that the guy he hit the home run off of wasn't any good. Of course. So. Yeah, naturally. Uh, so, yeah. So, you've talked about Colin Moran. And, you know, Moran's someone that, that can play some third base, play first base, basically, you know, corner and fill your, uh, you know, DH a little bit. Um, you've made the argument for him over Sam Haggerty on this roster. So, I kind of feel like for you, this is automatic right that it's just it's moran over marlowe right now for you but i don't know you you seem to be uh kind of on board with the the marlowe thing just hearing you talk right now right well if scott is convinced that marlowe's ready to help if if manny act is convinced and if jerry's convinced then you know you kind of give those guys the benefit of the doubt but uh we do know that um at least it sounds like their primary concern right now with the infield is they want somebody who could play third base, right? That that's kind of what they're looking at because they do have second base covered. It, it's more and Haggerty can both play a really good second and, and shortstop is, is Dylan Moore. Um, now we haven't seen Dylan Moore yet. We've seen Haggerty, but we haven't seen more. So maybe their concern is actually that, you know, we don't know if Dylan Moore is going to be available for us on opening day. Good so point. maybe yeah. we do need that backup infielder. Uh, but, then my counterpoint to that would be, well, okay, but you need a backup middle infielder. You need somebody who can play shortstop. So yeah, it's tough to know until we see Dylan Moore, until we know that he's like on track uh, to, to, you know, make the opening day roster, you know, we can't dismiss the ability to play the infield as something that's, that's important. But if Demo's going to be out until mid April, then I think it all but locks Moran in because at least Moran can play third base and, God forbid, if you have to, you could put Gino at shortstop for a few innings. Ugh, that did not work out the, the last time that he played shortstop for the Only Reds, for a so. couple innings, though. So, yeah. but in- Oh, really? Coming from the guy who just dragged me for saying, oh, it's just a game if you have to you know, use Colton Wong at shortstop. Yeah, that's the other thing. You can use Colton Wong. You could use Sam Haggerty. Like, I just, I think if... Help me like out here, guys, in the comments. You guys remember that. You guys remember like a week ago when I said that yeah. and this guy next oh, to me dragged oh, me mercilessly. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you need you need a shortstop, right? But you do need somebody who can play shortstop. Yeah. Uh, if you're only needing an inning or two at the end of a game because JP rolled an ankle or whatever. Sure. Fine. You live with it. But uh, it's not yeah. like you're going to roll with. Is Jose Iglesias like, still out there? I think so. Um, yeah. But yeah, and maybe that's maybe that's an avenue that they take that we're not talking about. Maybe there's a free agent out there uh, who makes sense still. Um, so yeah, it's I think Moran is at least an average bat, and it's it's weird to be excited about an average bat. But when I look at the Mariners lineup right now, that's what it needs. Mm. It needs just a, a 100 WRC plus placeholder. While we wait and see what Kelnick is, where we wait and see what Pollock is, where we. Um, you know, wait and see, I guess what Marlowe is, uh, what sure, Trammell yeah. is like, there are other guys there who could be an above average bat, but to start the year, I want just safety at least out of that DH spot. And mm-hmm. to me, that's Moran. Um, 
But you know, if Scott says it's 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 Marlowe, if, if Jerry says it's Marlowe, if if Justin says it's it's Marlowe, then I think at some point you just have to kind of trust their judgment on this and you roll with it. And again, you don't have to it's not a long term thing, right? You don't have to commit to Cade Marlowe uh long term. You could just mm-hmm. give it a shot for a couple weeks, see what happens and you know, roll with it, roll from there. But uh, I, I do think that they're also going to have to start looking outside the org. Uh, I don't think they can just be complacent with what they have and say the answer will definitely come from within. I don't think they can make that claim. So let's get into that because, uh, again, you know, I asked in follow up if this meant maybe the the Mariners could look back out on the trade market. And uh, let me try to scroll up here into my messages and see if I can get exactly what our source said uh no i'll just paraphrase so essentially what i was told um was that uh or this was the exact response that i got was there's a growing confidence in mariners camp that chris flexen is going to be traded before opening day so that's really interesting right for for a couple of reasons the first i mean we've talked about how much having you know flexen as depth kind of a fallback option keeping him in the bullpen maybe having him spot start here and there you know we've talked about you know marco gonzalez might have to go on paternity leave at some point in april so you know maybe flexen will have to make a spot start there um and so you know the other thing too is can you get a bat for him can you get a bench bat can you get someone that essentially replaces tommy Lastella's spot on this roster for you know, a year of Chris Flexen, does he actually hold that kind of value for you where you can get a valuable, you know, uh, major league uh, position player um, mm-hmm. that essentially outweighs the value of keeping someone like Chris Flexen around? So uh, the other thing too, right, is we talked about this a few episodes ago, you know, Jason Churchill, friend of the show on his podcast, Baseball Things on Patreon, has talked uh, about how the, the Mariners have been apparently reaching out to teams about starting pitching. You know, and, and not necessarily, you know, all-star caliber starting pitching, but guys that would maybe fit on the back end of their rotation. So to me, if I'm just kind of trying to put two and two together here, you know, if what Church is hearing is correct and, and what our source is hearing is correct, then maybe the plan is for the Mariners to go out, get a starting pitcher. Who knows how that impacts Marco Gonzalez in this whole thing. That's a whole nother conversation to have, but... They go out, they get another starting pitcher, and then they trade Flexen or, you know, vice versa. They trade Flexen first and then go out and get the starting pitcher. That makes quite a bit of sense. Right. What do you, uh, what do you make of all of this? I think, uh, you know, it's a good question. I, I think it's about covering your bases, more or less. Uh, you want to make sure that if you do trade Chris Flexen, you have – this backup plan, right? And you have this, you have this um, comfort level in knowing that, well, we may be trading Flexen, but we do have this viable major league starter. And, you know, it's worth noting that we were not told that uh, what pitchers they're asking about. Um, we did not hear that, uh, but we do not, we were told as, as all of Jason's podcast listeners were, we don't have any special insight here. Um, that they're major league quality arms. They're not looking at like 4A types. They're looking for legitimate major league starters, back end guys. So I think it's more about, hey, look, if we have to make a move with with Flex, right? If we or if we have we can get to a move we like with Flex, 
then we can uh, make this trade comfortably. Uh, I, so I think you're right. I think it is more about like, hey, let's. we think we can trade flex for this, but we don't want to do it until we've backed ourselves up with a viable big league option that isn't like Bryce Miller or Taylor Dollard or Emerson Hancock. So I think it's probably a bit about that, but you know, I, I think it's just value, right? Like let's sniff around, let's see what right. happens. And by the way, if you get to a point where you do acquire that back-end guy and he starts pitching well for you or whatever, uh, maybe you get to a point where you get into June, July, and you are willing all of a sudden to move Bryce Miller because of this guy that you picked up and you feel good about the back end of your rotation. So mm. I, I think it's mostly just, you know, just covering our bases. Let's just make sure that we have enough pitching uh, so that if we do trade flex and if Marco does struggle, we're not rushing these young guys up to the big leagues. Um, and if the the arm that we identify works out and he's pitching better than a number five starter, then all of a sudden we can trade you know, Dollard or Hancock right. or Miller for, you know, something that could help us more at, at the plate. So I think it's more about that than right. anything else. And maybe even even if they don't get a supplementary arm and they, they trade flex and maybe that's a, a signal that they, uh, you know, they think that Miller might be ready by May or so, you know, that they, they feel pretty confident about that. And obviously he's had a pretty decent start to spring and uh, obviously garnered a lot of attention. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's really interesting. Um, it's gonna be really interesting to see kind of just how this whole roster shakes out. Um, because it's just like it, it, you know, going into spring, it just we talked about this when we did our roster projections that it just it felt like everything was pretty much chalk, more or less. Yeah. Um, especially like you know in the bullpen, right? Because it's just there's just so many guys that uh are more or less locked in there. Um, but maybe you know if Flexen gets traded right um and they don't have a supplementary arm there maybe that opens up the door for someone like Perlander Barella to to make the bullpen mm-hmm. uh out of the gate and i was told by our source that they are very high on Barella that they're pretty much equally as excited about Barella as they've been about Marlowe. um but uh you know i was also you know at the same time told that uh, our source still feels that Topa Justin Topa and Trevor Gott still have the uh, inside track on that final spot in the bullpen right. but again if if flexen is gone they don't add a supplementary arm that's another spot that opens up in that bullpen and, and there you go now baroa or topa essentially are, are competing for that final spot right it's probably going to go to topa uh, yeah. at that point but again you know there's still different there's still what 18 to 20 odd games left to go and in, in the cactus league even so yeah there's still injuries that can occur there are other smaller trades for all we know you know the mariners are trading they end up trading Penn murphy and not chris flexen you know like something yeah. like that's possible so mm-hmm. uh, especially if they're looking for kind of a, a major league bat uh we're going to start to hear more about players who are out of options and don't look like they're going to make their team and those guys are going to be appealing for a team like seattle who has at bats to give um, you know, two guys that, you know, in the limited t- amount of time, I, I did some research on this two guys that kind of make some sense to me, not perfect sense, but, uh, Lamont Wade jr. Of the giants, uh, late night Lamont, uh, big time, you know, clutch base hits, but he really struggled last year and he, he's more of a platoon bat, but he is a strong side. The Mariners and Giants love making trades with they, one another around this time of year. They they do, and you know, judging by what they gave up to get you know get Barroa and what they gave up to get Tom Murphy a few years ago, you could probably get Wade for me, 
Yeah. I mean, I do, I do that. Sure. So yeah. Uh, Trade me the locked on giants. <laughs> right. Um, unfortunate, unfortunate for Ben, but um, unfortunately uh, the one thing that kind of maybe is not making that likely is that Austin Slater looks like he's going to start the year on the IL for the giants and, and mm-hmm. Donovan Walton is going to start the year on the IL. So there's kind of two open spots on that roster. So feels like Wade's probably going to make that roster, but we'll see. That's definitely a guy that you can check on. Um, and ironically enough, we do know that one of the teams that, uh, one of the, or one of the teams that the Mariners are asking about their pitching is, I have no idea how to structure the sentence Sure, is the Giants or is the (laughs) National League West team. Well, the Giants and the Mariners make a lot of trades. So naturally it kind of leads to, to that assumption. So maybe, maybe it's, you know, Wade and a pitcher that they like for, Mm. you know, nothing <laughs> um the a ham the, uh, sandwich i mean a that, coupon the, to pizza hut <laughs> the coupon to pizza hut is going to be more valuable than whatever they traded tom murphy for so um and the other guy who uh, i like i like the player but i mean we talk man and we're going to criticize Cade marlowe for strikeouts keston hira uh oh man <laughs> yeah that that dude somehow struck out like 40% of the time last year and still posted a 115 WRC plus. Really? Yes. That's crazy. I, I mean, look it up, man. Like seriously, go look at the numbers right now. You, you will be blown away. You look at his slash line, you look at the, the strikeout rate and you'll go, I'm, I'm doing that right now. Hold on. <laughs> and we'll go. What? <laughs> he did what? Um, but he is out of options. He's a former first round pick. We know how much Jerry loves those guys really first base DH type, but he can't play second if you need him to. Um, and yeah, he's just never really found his footing in Milwaukee. Wow. Yeah. Listen to this. All right. Yeah. So Keston Hira, not to get super sidetracked here, but like he played 80 games last year, 266 plate appearances. Like Colby said, struck out 41.7%, yeah. <laughs> 8.6, uh, 8.6 walk percentage. He slashed 226, 316, 449, which is good for a 115 WRC+. 14 home runs, 32 ribs, five stolen bags. Um, That is one of the wildest stat lines I've ever seen in my entire life. 41 point. He's striking out 42% of the time, and he's posted a 115 WRC+. That's How is that possible? How are you nearly striking out half of the time you go up to bat <laughs> and you're posting a 115 I, WRC plus? That makes kind no of sense. In, kind of intrigues you though, doesn't it? Because like <laughs> if I can get that down to like 30% even, like Yeah. Because that's a lot of power for a is guy fan who strikes graphs, out. Is Fangraphs broken or something? Like this can't be possible. Like I'm I'm looking at I this mean, and it's breaking my brain. <laughs> think about how bad uh Jesse Winker was last year and understand he had like a 106 WRC plus so true but I mean he also walked like 18 percent of the time like well what did hero walk I'm sure it was a lot eight, right eight eight point six oh, okay so a little bit above league average I think league <laughs> average is 8.1 um that's still yeah. wild that's that's it, a wild. it is I I can't <laughs> explain it I looked it up uh but yeah he's out of options he is making a little bit of money this year two million bucks uh the Brewers I don't want to say they don't have room for him. They do, but he's not the type of guy that you just keep on your roster no matter what. Right. Like right, yeah. if, if a better opportunity comes um, and he's only 26, you know, uh, and like I mentioned, former top prospect, uh, former first round pick. We know Jerry loves those type of guys. Um, yeah. And obviously there, there is surprisingly 
with a career 36% strikeout rate, there is still value in that bat uh, because he's also a career 105 WRC plus guy. So yeah, I, I can't really explain it either. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But whatever way I you think you might it. have, I think you might have discovered one of the craziest stat lines in yeah. baseball history. <laughs> like, that's... I mean, because like here's the deal, right? Two twenty six uh, batting average is about five or six points below league average. So essentially, mm. league average in the grand scheme of things, three sixteen on base that is about league average. I think yeah. league average is three twelve, at least last year it was. And then the four forty nine slug, and that's well above league average. I think league average is four twenty five or something like that. Yeah. So essentially, it's a career, it's an average slash line with forty two percent strikeout. Wild too, because he only had nine extra base. He only had twenty three total extra base hits, with fourteen of those being home runs. Right, but only two hundred sixty six plate appearances. True. True. Good point. Yeah. So, yeah, the profile doesn't scream control the zone, right? I mean. You can't. I I think I said this. Yes, you can't strike out forty percent of the time and be a good hitter in Major League Baseball. Well, Kessin I mean, Kesson Hira is, is, is putting that to the test. <laughs> apparently, Kesson Hira is the is the uh, the exception to the rule. The exception to the rule. Yeah, because <laughs> I I don't I don't get it. I imagine his like I didn't look at his Statcast page, but I imagine it's littered in red. I mean, there, there's no way he has to be hitting the ball extremely hard all the time. You know, when he's not striking. <laughs> yeah, when he's actually making contact. Uh all right. Let's see here. I'm gonna I'm gonna load up Kesson here as Savant page real quick. It's loading. We're loading. We're doing the loading thing. It's still loading. And he didn't register enough to <laughs> really put any percentile rankings on his page. He had he was seventy second percentile in max exit velocity, which eh. Fifty fourth uh percentile in sprint speed yikes first percentile in arm strength <laughs> and that's it yeah um shoot off that page it's starting to do that clicky thing on the oh, on the audio we version there we go um so fingers crossed i didn't care fingers crossed it didn't do <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's what if happened you guys to are hearing this conversation uh, then yeah, it that, didn't yeah that's uh that's what happened to us yesterday we we were recording uh or we recorded our whole episode it didn't sound like that at all on either one of our sides and then we played the episode back it was just click 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 yep no idea uh, and then we so did yeah. it again and it was fine so have i have no idea what happened <laughs> uh but. by the way Hira reverse split guy is actually better against righties than he is lefties so there you go if you're worried about a platoon guy he's he's the reverse split guy so He's a righty who hits righties very well. Well, not very well, but he hits some better than lefties. Sure. But, you know, he's going to run in some home runs, and and I don't, like I, said, I don't know. I don't know how he did it, uh, but Kessinger was a good hitter last year, um, despite striking out 42% of the time. Like, Jared Kelnick looks at that strikeout percentage and blushes. Like, holy cow, that's... <laughs> Whew. That that's something, man. And that, that's not an outlier either. Look at his career strikeout rates. They're They're all high uh not yeah. that high but they're all very high so no it's still like 36 percent, 37 percent, something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's still See, i don't know if you're is going to fit the mold that they're looking for but he is a guy without options who has produced in the big leagues that does have some club control and would be relatively cheap to acquire gotcha so, all right let's hop off of here before some other technical issue happens because i think this was a pretty good episode i hope you guys agree 
thank you so much for joining us today on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidey Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well at Lockdown Mariners. Again, that is one word, Lockdown Mariners. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.